Hello, and welcome back to the Cosmic Companion. This week, we are happy to be joined by Dr. Catherine Zurich. She is a theoretical physicist at Caltech, and we'll be talking about how dark matter may be detected here on Earth by looking for subatomic particles called magnons. But first, we look up at Comet Neowise visiting the Earth this month. And we say hello to stars from another galaxy which moved into the Milky Way billions of years ago. We hear the story of astronomers scrambling to view a short radio burst from the ancient universe before it disappeared. We examine the origins of water here on Earth and look at the closest pictures ever taken of our sun. Comet Neowise continues to shine in the northwestern sky for viewers in the northern hemisphere. The comet has now developed two tails, one of dust, the other ionized gas, and it is visible in the northwest sky soon after sunset. The comet can be seen with the naked eye from most places away from bright city lights, but a pair of binoculars can help bring this sight a little closer to home. The discovery of more than 200 stars from outside our galaxy reveals these bodies came from outside the Milky Way. Astronomers believe these Nix stars arrived in the Milky Way long ago as part of a dwarf galaxy which merged with our own family of stars long ago. The team of researchers, including Dr. Lena Nisev of Caltech and other researchers, combined data from the Gaia spacecraft with virtual simulations and deep learning techniques to uncover the unusual origin of these intergalactic interlopers. Dr. Nisev will join us on the show next week and when we will talk in depth about this discovery. The origin of water on Earth has long been a mystery. Many researchers believe that most of the water in our oceans, lakes, and rivers was delivered from comets, essentially dirty snowballs in space. However, studies show this method would have delivered far more water to the inner planets of our solar system than what we actually see. A new study from Japan shows that heating organic material found in space to several hundred degrees Celsius releases water and oil, potentially explaining the origin of water on our world. 10 billion light years from Earth, a short gamma ray burst, a powerful short-lived explosion took place in the early universe. The recent discovery of this eruption was reinforced by a network of telescopes which all quickly networked to study the event which lasted for just a matter of a few hours. 
Astronomers believe these events may be the result of the collision of two neutron stars, but this was the first such burst to be witnessed uh, in the early universe. The closest pictures ever taken of the Sun were just released by the Solar Orbiter team. This revolutionary spacecraft, launched in February of this year, took the images from less than 80 million kilometers or 50 million miles from the Sun. The team discovered tiny but highly energetic campfires on the Sun millions of times smaller than solar flares. No one is certain what causes these features, but they could potentially heat the corona or the outer or the atmosphere of the sun to extreme temperatures. Today we are joined by Dr. Katherine Zurich, theoretical physicist at Caltech talking about ways we may detect dark matter right here on Earth. This week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we are happy to be joined by Dr. Katherine Zurich. She is a professor of theoretical physics at Caltech and he's recently been doing some fascinating work about finding dark matter. Welcome to the show, Catherine. Thanks for having me. Thank you. So just for those of us who may not be familiar, can you just give us a brief um, introduction to what is dark matter and why is it important? So dark matter is important for, for the universe that we see around us. So we know uh, in the universe that it's about five times as prevalent as ordinary matter. And uh, the reason that we haven't noticed it is because Earth is a very unusual place. <laughs> so here on Earth, uh, ordinary matter is far more prevalent, but if we look on larger scales, like our galaxy, dark matter is actually much more important for the formation of our, uh, of our galaxy than ordinary matter is. And so we'd like to know something about what dark matter is. And so, uh, so we've been on this quest now uh, for a number of decades to try to understand what dark matter is and to, to be able to write down in, in detail a theory that describes it. And what do we know about dark matter? So well, we know that it's dark. <laughs> we, know, we, we know that it interacts uh, very weakly with the photon. That's why it's called dark. Uh, we know uh, something about how it interacts with gravity. So we know that it's not hot. It's not relativistic, like photons or neutrinos are hot. So, uh, and the reason we know that is because it has to be able to clump gravitationally. So it has to be able to sink into gravitational wells, uh, which is what our galaxy is. And it has to be able to hold, hold our galaxy together, which is what, what, what dark matter does for us. Um, we uh, know a number of things about what it's not. Uh, we, we know that put quite stringent constraints on certain pro properties of the dark matter, but it's still a, a quite open question about what, what dark matter is. And so one of the things that I do is to propose new theories of dark matter and then new ideas for how we can detect those ideas. 
And so how do we see dark matter now? How do we know that it's there? So everything we know about dark matter comes from, from gravity. Uh, so we uh, can, uh, there's a wide range of observations from the time that the universe is a few hundred thousand years old. We can look at how baryons and photons respond to gravitational potential wells. We can look in our own galaxy and we see how stars go around uh, the center of our galaxy. Uh, and that tells us about how much dark matter there is. So it's really the fact that we know a lot about gravity, you know, Newton's laws, general relativity, and that makes predictions. And then we can look um, at the observations and we can compare them in many different types of systems. And all of those observations are consistent with this hypothesis of dark matter. And so, and you said earlier that um, you are working at, on new ways of looking at and finding dark matter. Can you tell us a little bit about that? So, uh, as I said, uh, everything we know about dark matter now comes from gravitational probes on large scales, so in our universe, so in our galaxy, or even on bigger scales than our galaxy. But we would like to uh, have uh, local information <laughs> about dark matter. We'd like to be able to observe it in the lab because we're ultimately going to get a lot more information about dark matter if we can probe it with our instruments in the lab. All the information that we have about dark matter is extremely, let me say, coarse-grained. We know how much of it there is. We know how it clumps, but we don't know anything about, you know, the, what it is as a particle. And so if we want to learn something about what it is as a particle, we uh, need really laboratory probes. And uh, so there's experiments that we build to look for very rare interactions of dark matter so that we can learn something about, about its nature, its particle nature. So it's, it's like um, the analog would be if you look up in the, you know, in the universe and you see stars, you see all these lights, and you can learn something about how ordinary matter is distributed, but you have to go into the lab to learn that, okay, there are protons and electrons and they have certain masses and they have a certain interaction with photon. So all of that information we piece together in the lab and it's the analog kind of thing that we're doing here with dark matter is we observe certain properties on large scales, but we'd like to have a theory, a detailed theory to describe it. What would you hope to find in these laboratory conditions? How would you hope to find dark matter? So there are different ways we can look for it. I'm just going to talk about one, which is these uh, so-called direct detection experiments. So the idea is that you take some kind of target material, um, and the target material is selected based on the theory that you're trying to probe, and then you try to isolate that system from the environment. And the reason why you want to isolate that system extremely well is because uh, we don't want any other kinds of interactions to mimic the behavior of dark matter. So we're trying to separate out very rare interactions of dark matter with our target, with our material, from anything going on in the environment. So what we do is we take this target material uh, and typically we put it deep underground and the reason why we do this is because um, underground environments are very 
quiet. It's one way to isolate your experiment from the environment is to put it deep underground. So one of the backgrounds that we're trying to isolate the experiment from is cosmic rays. We know that there are very high energy particles that bombard our atmosphere and they come showering down on us. And that would be uh, a major source of, of noise uh, that we want to eliminate. And so we take these experiments underground and then we look for very rare interactions of dark matter. And these experiments have been very, um, become very sensitive to certain kinds of dark matter. Uh, and so now what we're trying to do is to look at more exotic types of, types of materials or targets to, to look for a, a broader range of dark matter candidates. And so I think about exotic, sometimes more exotic systems that would happen to have particularly strong interactions with, with dark matter. And there have been talk about uh, that these d underground detectors might be just the size of a living room tabletop. Could you talk yeah. a little, little bit about how those detectors work? They're even smaller than that. <laughs> so the uh, current generation of experiments that looks for dark matter, you know, that's a few hundred times the proton mass. Those experiments are getting to be kind of ton scale. Okay, so I don't know that you call that a tabletop experiment. But the kinds of dark matter experiments that I've been thinking about, the concepts that I've been uh, trying to invent, uh, are looking for much lighter dark matter. So, uh, and one of the consequences of that is that they have unique interactions that uh, if you have sensitivity to very, very small whispers, which is to say very small amount of energy deposited in your detector, you don't need very much target material. And so what we try to do is to excite <coughs> modes and materials, we call them collective excitations, from dark matter interactions. And it turns out that the amount of material that you need to be sensitive to interesting and relevant, theoretically relevant parameter space is, uh, you know, like a gram of material. So in that case, it's a very small amount of, of material and actually most of the size of the detector is all of the readout electronics and the way that we isolate such a target material from the environment. So it's a very different kind of um, experiment than these big experiments now that are looking for uh, heavier dark matter, dark matter that's around the Higgs boson mass. And when do you think, any idea when these little experiments, I would normally say would get off the ground, but would get under the ground? <laughs> so uh, there are, uh, there are experiments that are in R&D now, uh, small amounts of target material in very shallow sites. So this often means in uh, tunnels under physics buildings. <laughs> okay. mm -hmm. So you just move it down underground a little bit. You uh, make the detector cold so that you remove, uh, you isolate it thermally from the environment. Uh, and those experiments are underway in the sense that they're in prototype phases, typically very small amounts of mass for uh, small observing times, but they're rolling. So this is going to be a, an ongoing process 
there'll be new results that are released. They'll, uh, they'll scale up the detector. They'll find some new background. They'll try to eliminate that background and then this process will, will iterate. But the idea is now, theorists have been at work now on this for um, five or 10 years. And so the ideas are there for many new types of experiments. And now we're in the process of implementing those ideas. Uh, and that is a, its own adventure because every time you build a new type of experiment, you discover uh, new aspects of that experiment because you have to make them extremely quiet, extremely isolated from the environment. So it's a really challenging experimental problem. But, um, but my experimental colleagues have been making an enormous amount of progress on that problem over the last several years. And I anticipate that there will be a lot more progress over the coming years. Super. Well, thank you very much for being on the show. Okay, thanks for having me. So I'm gonna have you. Next week on Astronomy News with the Cosmic Companion, we'll be joined by Dr. Lena Niseb, a postdoctoral scholar in theoretical physics at Caltech who discovered the Nix family of stars which came from outside the solar system. Please stay safe, stay healthy, and keep your wonder alive. If you enjoyed this episode of The Cosmic Companion, please download and share the episode on YouTube, Facebook video, or on any major podcast provider. For more details on space and astronomy news, please visit thecosmiccompanion.com or thecosmiccompanion.net.